This is a Federal News Network podcast. The good government groups pushing out a series of recommendations to Congress and the administration on the future of the federal workforce. They say federal human capital needs some serious attention. The latest comes from some familiar faces and organizations, including the Senior Executives Association. Some recommendations on federal hiring and recruitment you've heard before, but now they're suggesting an overhaul to the Office of Personnel Management. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco joins me now to walk us through some of these recommendations. And Nicole, let's begin with this. There's a report out. Who put it out and what are they arguing here? So the recommendations come from the Senior Executives Association and what's called the Center for Organizational Excellence. And there's a consultant, Steve Goodrich, who runs that. And listed on the report, it's really a who's who, you could say, of different organizations that we know, Tom, um, IBM Center for Business of Government is listed as a contributor, different people there. Uh, Terry Gurton, who's the president and CEO at Napa, she's listed as a contributor, as well as, you know, NARF, uh, even the American Federation of Government Employees, which we'll get back to in a minute. And so they're listed on this report. And the report, you know, in one sense, it makes a lot of the same recommendations, Tom, that we've heard over the past few years. That you know the federal workforce, the current civil service system, it's not working. The executive branch doesn't have the capacity or really the bandwidth to support a modern day workforce. It's actually responsive to the public. Congress hasn't really bothered to address problems with the federal workforce in recent years, and they certainly haven't really devoted a lot of oversight attention to the federal workforce, or even the Office of Personnel Management. And so the report has five different cases and 16 recommendations that, according to the report's authors, say should build up capacity in the executive and legislative branches to actually tackle some of these persistent challenges. And they make the argument that, you know, while we know how much, more or less, how much we spend on legacy IT systems, for example, We don't really know how much we spend on things like training and development for the federal workforce, things to empower them and have them contribute to, you know, the services that the public is supposed to provide. So those are generally the the gist of their arguments. And as you point out, for many years, the Office of Personnel Management has not really been central to all of these continuing recommendations and debates about the federal workforce. But Now that the Trump administration has kind of cracked that egg, it looks like people are all trying to scramble it. So what are some of their suggestions now for OPM? Tom, I think that is actually the best way to put the situation that I think we're seeing with this report and the recommendations that it offers on OPM. We know the administration wants to reorganize and merge it to GSA. We know that they can't do that until NAPA finishes a year-long study of what OPM should look like and how it might be organized in the future. What this report suggests is a new name, a different mission statement, and an entirely new structure for OPM. And to be clear here, they are not suggesting eliminating it or merging it or anything like that. They are, though, making some suggestions that I think you could say do mirror the administration's proposal. They say, for example, that 
HR solutions, that fee-for-service uh, office that, that OPM runs should go to GSA, they say. They also say that retirement services, it obviously needs a complete overhaul, but the retirement services office itself, as well as the office that handles federal health care and insurance, it should be reviewed whether those entities stay within OPM. I mean, ultimately, the report suggests that OPM really hasn't had significant permanent leadership in years at this point, certainly not within this administration or the last one. And they suggest that to bring some consistency, the OPM director could serve for a longer term, maybe five to eight years instead of the usual four, and that the OPM director would be supported by some different boards. So a chief human capital officer's council with more authority should support the OPM director, as well as a human capital business board, which the report suggests would include perhaps people like them, um, but also, you know, former government officials and human capital experts and that sort of thing that could, again, uh, sort of help the OPM director and, and could be a consulting force for OPM. In addition, they suggest that Congress really should have a specific committee that looks only at the federal workforce. And they even say things like, adopting a similar scorecard to FATARA, for example, to really look at how the government is meeting some of these goals on the federal workforce. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. They haven't articulated it very well, but I think what the White House envisions this is OPM looking like the Office of Federal Procurement Policy, where you have a very tiny shop that sets policy for something that is totally diffuse, throughout all of the agencies, which is either you know hiring people or buying stuff, and so that you don't need all this apparatus to set the policy because all of the activity is actually done by the agencies. And you've got a FAR council to keep track of the federal acquisition regulations. So as you suggest, there would be a personnel council or something like that. But they haven't – I said it. I haven't heard them say it exactly in that way. And you're also reporting there's some criticisms of the report that we just described. And what are you hearing there and from whom? So, Tom, this is where it gets a little interesting, I think. Um, and that's because while there are, you know, a, a dozen or so individual contributors to this report, some of the contributors, or at least one that we know of, has an issue with being named in this report. And that is the American Federation of Government Employees. And just to set some background here behind this, Many, much of the criticism about civil service reform, civil service modernization, I think has come with this argument of, well, we'd like to do this, but there's an entity or a few entities that don't agree with us. And often those conversations do refer to the federal employee unions. And so AFGE was invited to a day-long sort of seminar about this report, and they participated in discussions, and ultimately the AFGE representative who went to this said that he didn't really hear back from the report's authors and 
not until recently did he hear this report would be released. And he felt that he wasn't really a contributor. He didn't have an opportunity to really express his actual thoughts and AFGE's actual thoughts about some of these proposals and that his name was just put on it just because, I guess you could say. And in fact, AFGE wrote a uh, a pretty lengthy letter to SEA and the Center for Organizational Excellence uh pretty much accusing these groups of making a dishonest attempt to promote the administration's effort to abolish OPM and politicize the career civil service and simultaneously destroy the pay and benefits programs that protect the civil service from the corruption of politics and discrimination. So there's some tension here, you could say. You know, I did ask SEA and the Center for Organizational Excellence about this AFGE response, and they said, you know, look, they did participate. We they spoke. We listened. And, you know, they ultimately agreed that I think the word contributor perhaps isn't the best word to describe what happened here. Maybe a participant is a better way of describing it. But again, I think it shows the tension, frankly, between some of these groups and others and how they view civil service modernization going forward. And so this report went to whom and does anything happen with it at this point? Because as you point out, Napa is involved in a major study that everyone's kind of hanging on. Right. So the report is addressed to Congress and the administration. SEA and Center for Organizational Excellence said they plan to submit it to the campaigns as well. And they hope that these proposals would ultimately form what they're calling the Human Capital Act, essentially. Uh, And that would put many of these changes in place. So remains to be seen. The other criticism, Tom, actually, that that you just mentioned from AFGE is, but what about this NAPA report? Uh, I think they worry that maybe these recommendations would perhaps influence that group. Although SEA and the Center for Organizational Excellence say these two efforts are entirely separate. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out her story at federalnewsnetwork.com. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. Love Target? Well, you're about to love it even more. With Target Red Card, you'll save 5% every day, in-store and online. Find the red card that's right for you, whether it's debit, credit, or Target's new red card reloadable, which doesn't require an existing bank account or credit check. With Target Red Card, you'll get exclusive deals and free shipping on most items. Visit Target.com slash Red Card to get all the details. It's always a great day to save. Restrictions apply.